You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. tickets yet for We Sing 2019? This event, formerly known as She Sings, is hosted by the Women's Acapella Association and will be hosted at Freight and Salvage in Berkeley, California. The We Sing Vocal Festival is an empowering, educational, and community-centered event for singers and vocal music enthusiasts of all ages, genders, identities, and stylistic preferences. This will also be the last large event hosted by the Women's Acapella Association before they close their doors later this year. This year's event will feature performances from from OSA Vocal Rush, the five-time ICHSA champion, Hive, and Elephantine. Get your tickets now at womensacapella.org slash we sing. Hello, Acaville Radio. Welcome to another episode of Talk Acapella. I am one half of the dynamic duo, Brian Alexander. Joining me, as always, is the insightful John Lampus. John, how are you doing today? Okay, well, I'm doing pretty good, but I've been thinking about this. We're the dynamic duo, and that's based off Batman and Robin. Who's Batman and who's Robin? Because I really Ooh. like both, and I'm good with either, as long as I'm not Alfred. Mm-hmm. I just, like, which which one am I here? <laughs> you know what? I'll let you pick. I don't have a problem being Robin if that's, uh, you know, where you're leaning towards. I, you know, I was never particular about the two, so. Okay, you know? I'm going to, you can't put this on me right now, man. I really got to think this through. So we're going to address this okay. in an upcoming episode, and people can follow this train of thought as it just gets dumber and dumber. <laughs> okay, well, next time I'll be expecting an answer from you, so. Okay, Perfect. sounds good. <laughs> Well, I'm really excited for today's show. We have a great topic in mind, and with that, we have an even more wonderful guest joining us today. We have Akabil's very own Amanda Tran. Amanda, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Awesome. And Amanda, I just got to say, I feel like I kind of know you already because John, normally (laughs) when he does the transitions, he's always like, and next up, get ready to hear Amanda Tran with notable coverage. So I'm just like, (laughs) I've I've heard so much about you and it's just even more exciting to get to talk to you today. I'm just looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, just to kind of kick things off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background in acapella and uh, even about the the work you do here with acapella? Yeah. So my acapella journey, started freshman year of college. This was a while ago now. It's 2009. I was in the University of Washington's group Fermata, formerly known as the Huskies. We had a name change because no one understood the music pun. (laughs) Fermata is a music pun too. It's F-U-R, like the little paw print. We thought we were clever. I think most people think they're clever clever when they're thinking of names, but you know, (laughs) here we are. (laughs) Um, And then my senior year in 2013, I started a five-person group called C-Note, S-E-A-N-O-T-E for Seattle. And yeah, we're a quintet. We do pop stuff. We do mostly covers, but originals as well. And we're all kind of on our own career paths now, but we definitely perform sometimes. We're in and out of hiatus. So (laughs) that's always fun to have a reunion with them. But yeah, currently I am not singing actively in acapella, but I am recruiting for an all-female Asian American group here in Los Angeles. So if you are, if you fall under any of those categories, definitely hit me up and I would love to hear from you. Oh, man. Okay, we're definitely gonna have to get you to do another plug about the group at the end of this. I'm like, I love hearing about people starting new groups. That's just like such a passion for me. Me too. It's been a while too. I mean, I haven't started a group for five or six years now. So it's like starting all over again. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, great. I'm like, I, I love hearing about all the things you've been through. And I'm like, it just adds a whole nother dynamic to the acapella community when you get to meet and interact with people that are, have similar backgrounds and also diverse ones as well. So totally. this is awesome. So just kind of kicking on today's show, I know that we are wanting to discuss this whole idea of representation and diversity in acapella. And just to kind of start off at a certain point here, you know, what's been your experience with diversity in acapella? Looking at your past groups, has that been a, a major factor of the groups you've been a part of? Has it been um, conversations you've had with other people in acapella? Yeah, totally. I mean, being at the University of Washington in the heart of Seattle, I mean, it's a very diverse area. And being at a liberal college, it's diverse already anyways. So I feel like as far as our group goes, it was never like a huge like thing just because we just mm. always had diversity through our audition process just because of the demographic on our campus. And I think that's awesome. But I think as far as like experiencing lack of diversity or representation, it's when we would go to festivals or competitions. And even in like the pro group that I'm in C-Note, like when we first started out, we were the only group that was under the age of 25 the only group with like more than one female and the only group with more than one race. <laughs> so oh my goodness. It, it was pretty crazy. Like I, it was never like a thought just because I identify as an Asian American woman and just living, having that lived experience. I never really think about it until like I'm put in a position or environment where I'm not like part of that diverse environment anymore, I guess. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, so as far as like my experience, it's been incredible, like being able to perform and sing and work with, people of many diverse backgrounds musically, but also just like different walks of life. But as far as like going into the industry part of it, whether it's competition festivals or just performing, it's definitely pretty non-diverse, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just talking with Aaron, the uh, director of Acaville, he's talked about when he's gone to festivals and he's like, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty milk toast. Like that's <laughs> the situation that he's I like found. That term. <laughs> uh, I, I really like that term as well. And guys, I don't want to shock you or anything. Uh, Brian, uh, we haven't really talked about this before. I don't know if any of you know, but uh, I am white. Don't know if anyone. Yeah, I, I oh know. My goodness. I know. It's, it's big. Um, <laughs> but for me, I'm a straight, white, cisgender, able-bodied male. I'm about as privileged as you can get. So this idea of diversity <laughs> in acapella in my like formative years, it's something that's never been talked about. It's like, what, what are you talking about? You get the best voices and that's all you care about and that's it. So I guess I'm wondering for people maybe who have never thought about this stuff before, like me, like people who are in my situation, what would you define as diversity in acapella? Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess diversity in acapella is just diversity in life, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. As far as like my personal experience in acapella groups, mostly in Seattle and at the University of Washington. It's a liberal school. It's a public school. And just being a public school that has over 45,000 students, you're going to have a diverse population of students to pull from. So that's a really big thing as well. And as acapella is pretty new to Washington State when you compare it to Oregon, California, and everywhere else in the United yeah. States. Mm. So, I mean, Formata has only been around for 10 years now. And it's like the one of the longest standing acapella groups in the state. And it's the only group that's ever gotten to a higher level competition. Like they made it to finals last year in ICCA or two years ago. But besides that, like there's no historical roots in acapella. If you like look back to old groups like the Bubs or like groups who have been around for forever, you know. So I think <laughs> because it's so new and it's just drawing that newer generation, you're just going to be more prone to more diversity in the group. As opposed to groups who have been around for so long and have that legacy 
of predominantly one race in their group. And I feel like something like that kind of definitely is passed down, whether or not the group is aware of it, it's just kind of like what they're used to. And like, once that image has been ingrained in the population of the school and anyone who's trying to audition or go to the school or even just watch the groups, I feel like it just becomes the norm, unfortunately. Not to say that those groups are bad. Like some of them are like the best groups in the world and they still are. But I feel like, I don't know, that visual representation in like the way that the group and brand of the group is perceived. And I feel like those groups don't really give you a lot of room to grow. And it's definitely getting a lot better, I would say. I mean, the Poofs just like had their very first female member this year. I saw in their feed and that's like crazy. I mean, they're one of the oldest, if not the oldest, I think, groups in the world or something like that. Yeah, they're the oldest college acapella group. Yeah, Yeah. and they've been all male ever since the beginning of time. And they have a female this year, which I think is like crazy awesome. Yeah, so. it was exci- it was exciting to hear. I remember um, when news broke about that because I, I write for an organization called College Acapella, so we're always mm-hmm. about the latest news. And and I heard, uh, you know, the Whiff and Poofs are doing away with gender restrictions. And I was like, what? This is insane because you get used to, especially with all male groups, you get used to a certain sound and a group mm-hmm. with uh, such a, a rich history, you know, yeah. it's just like, wow, they're taking the first strides at just kind of changing that up. So, and I'm curious that you brought that up, you know, what is your whole take with this whole idea of a group such as an all male group and even an all female group doing away with that aspect of their identity, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we're no longer going to be just all male. You know, not that there's anything wrong with it, but what was your first daughter that came to mind? Yeah. I mean, for me, specifically to the topic of the poofs, I mean, I think it's incredible because they're a group that has a sound that is so distinguishable. Like if I hear something that sounds remotely like them, I'll know it's them because they just like evolved this specific type of arranging their music, the way they perform the music. Even though it's different members every single year, I feel that they have a really good grasp on what they are as far as like their group sound is. Mm-hmm. For me, like the female that joined the group, they listed her as I think like a tenor one or something. Yeah. But yeah. I mean... I feel that if you are a good singer and you're able to learn the music and perform it as it was like intended, then why does it matter? You know, I don't think it's going to be an issue either way. I mean, clearly she made the group, so she's probably amazing, which I don't doubt. But Mm -hmm. I mean, because the group has such an established sound, I don't think that it's going to change it in any way. Yeah, and I agree. I don't I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with wanting different genders in the group if you're an all male. I, I'd never I didn't see the problem with that. I guess yeah. it was more of the identity. It's just different because in my mind, it, it was just kind of an interesting take that, you know, everything that we're seeing in society now was incorporating its way mm-hmm. into, you know, our genre at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's amazing, especially for college groups, because when you're in college, I feel like that's the time when everyone is just so like woke, I guess, with all the issues in life. You know, as soon as you like leave college, it's a different world. But during Mm -hmm. those years, I feel like people are just so much more willing to speak their mind, like work towards a cause that they really believe in. Not that they don't afterwards, but I feel like being in that environment and space, especially during those formative years, is very impactful in how you go about whatever you do, whether it be acapella or not. So I have some complicated opinions on this. Uh, I feel like that's what every white man says before he says something super offensive. So like, <laughs> let's see. I'm where on this guard goes. now, John. Uh, okay. So I actually wrote 
on transgender voices and gender queer identity as it pertains to choir for my uh, my like entrance writing thing into my grad school and how I came across it is there are some serious like issues with gender in the choir room and in any vocal group because if they're gender queer or transgender it can make them feel isolated it can make them feel unwelcome or just feel like it's not matching up with who they are. And I think those are super legitimate and those should be something that both acapella and choral communities invest in and kind of look at. And I think a big issue is there is no current way, and this and this is what I kind of harped on over and over in, in my paper, there's no way right now to differentiate, for example, my larynx, my vocal tract from Amanda's vocal tract and larynx without using mm-hmm. the words male or female. So those have assigned mm-hmm. genders mm-hmm. to them. And even though they are different instruments, the idea of like the male larynx is like, you know, it's going to go deeper. It has a certain notch with and the vocal folds vibrate at a certain pitch as opposed to a quote unquote cisgender female larynx. And I think for both vocal communities, we kind of have to almost like engage in this divorce of voice type and gender for people of different gender identities who don't fit into that mold. So they feel welcome. I know there was a group in my undergrad that was traditionally a quote unquote, all male group. And they had this amazing tenor and she came out as transgender and transitioned from a previously male identifying person to a transgender female. And she's still saying in the group, she still had a quote unquote, Mm -hmm male larynx she had a tenor larynx so there was no change in the sound there weren't like oh you're a girl now you you have to leave because she was already a tenor and her voice didn't change she still had this great tenor voice they had no issue Mm -hmm. with that so i guess how i approach it is not about gender at all it's about voice type and about like your actual instrument and i kind of think of it in terms of if i have like a brass quintet and i just want brass to be in that i just want french Mm -hmm. horns and trombones and euphoniums and stuff those are the sounds i'm going for and quote-unquote cisgender um, male larynxes have a certain sound they sing in a certain range so for the whole whiff and poofs letting in a female member with this woman who joined the group i guess i'm just wondering what is her vocal range and is that going to fit within the group i know for mountain horns when i was making the group you can't have gender restrictions on any of the groups at csu which i think is good so literally in the constitution and i had to talk with the people at the clubs organization about this in depth there's nothing about gender in there what we say to be able to audition for the group is you have to sing you have to be able to sing c below middle c in a comfortable vocal range because that's a generally like rough approximation where tenors sing that kind of quote-unquote restriction that i placed on the group was not because i didn't want people of certain genders auditioning it was because i just wanted to keep the sound the same i wanted to have a tenor bass ensemble Mm -hmm. i guess i'm wondering because i've met cisgender women who have very deep voices i met one who's like a i don't know like a 50 year old polish woman and she could sing like as low as me but i've also met people who just have (laughs) lower larynxes or they're not lower that's not the right term but their their voice just developed differently so they are singing in a similar range to brian or i so i guess i'm wondering what do you both think of this because my instinct is it should just be about instrumentation and the group should not dive too much into gender to make sure that gender queer and transgender people are comfortable. But then at the same time, someone might say, oh, so you're excluding women from the group. And my thought is, well, I mean, I guess, yeah, kind of. There are gender exclusive institutions with fraternities, with tons of stuff. And sometimes I think, wow, that is really problematic. And other times I think it's to achieve something not based on gender, but to achieve something like a tenor based ensemble based on music. 
Am I a terrible person? Tell me now. Am I? And, and I think it is worth <laughs> no, noting, though, like not, not in any way, not at all. As a female who sang tenor in a mixed group, I don't think it's a problem at all. I totally get it, especially when you're framing it in the way that this is the artistic direction that you're specifically going and looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel that you are very like. There's nothing wrong with what you're saying. There's a very specific vision that you have musically. And I think that that's awesome because a lot of groups don't have that vision musically. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And uh, no, and I was going to say full disclosure, you know, I absolutely have no problem whatsoever with groups that want to label themselves as all male, all female. I know it might not be the popular opinion, but when I look at things like that, and I come from a a background that's mostly full of uh, co-ed acapella experiences. So Mm -hmm. I'm typically in favor of being in part of where all people are included. But uh, when I look at groups who are all male, all female, normally there's goes back to this whole deal of identity they had some kind of fabled history or uh, started off with some basis of they want to be a certain way a lot of the all-male groups that i look at and uh, who i enjoy listening to they have this like comedic element to them you know i think mm-hmm. of groups as mm-hmm. the bls above i think of on the rocks they they have and a lot of humor chaser, yeah. they and strain chaser yeah they're they're exciting they're entertaining to watch they include a lot of humor and comedy and their performances to kind of make it a bit more fun natured and then when i think of other uh you know all female groups you know i do think of groups you know same school dvc i i, I think of uh, noteworthy you know, they are trying to break away from this whole mass that was these other groups at their school, you know, that they wanted to offer a particular place for women to come and be recognized and to do their own thing. And so, I, you know, what, I, I'm in favor of, you know, if groups want to be like that. That's totally fine. I do prefer that, hey, start it off this way, you know, of course, and make sure you make it clearly stated what you're looking for at the end of the day if you want to switch along the way i have no problems like the whip and poops they made that choice i'll continue to listen to them it's a great opportunity for them and people who grew up loving them so i think you can have it both ways but like i said that might just might be my opinion i mean i think just these conversations that we're having ultimately lead to more inclusion for people who might not have felt included before i'm really proud to say that both Timberman and Mountain Horns have transgender members in them. And the group has been Mm. super open about that. I remember when Timberman were doing auditions, I think the year or two years after I left, they they weren't sure how to handle gender. They were like, what do we say? We don't want to exclude people. We want to be inclusive. But we also, again, want tenors or basses. They had a couple of cisgender men audition. They had a cisgender female audition. And they had a transgender, genderqueer person Mm -hmm. audition. And I guess the cisgender female, it just didn't work out talent-wise. There wasn't an issue of gender, but they also were like, this isn't the range we're looking for. The genderqueer person who was originally female-identifying who transitioned to being genderqueer, they could sing in the tenor bass range. Mm-hmm. So it was a no-brainer for them. Okay, you can sing in this range. And they turned out to be great. So the gender was never a question. They just kind of removed it from the conversation when they were talking about this individual person. And it worked out really well. Same with Mountain Horns. One of my good friends from the group, who is now one of the music directors, when I met him, he had a low alto voice. He's a female to male transgender individual. And when I met him, he was an alto. He underwent hormone replacement therapy and identifies as male. And he became like a 10 or two baritone. And now I think he's like even moving lower. And again, because he could sing in that range, there was no issue. And I think for people like that, it's really important to make sure we are kind of like, 
opening the gates and having these conversations because, you know, it's worth noting we are all cisgender people and we all, quote unquote, kept the voice that we were born with. I haven't undergone anything. None of us have undergone like vocal surgeries or hormone replacement therapy or anything like that. So I think as long as we keep talking about this stuff and just trying to find what we can do, I think that's a lot more than a lot of people do, frankly. And that's not to call mm-hmm. anyone out, but it's just yeah. something that people don't consider. And frankly, when you're faced with auditions and you're trying to figure stuff out and you have someone coming in who doesn't fit clearly into these categories, that can put them in an uncomfortable place. So I think as long as we keep talking about this, my kind of thesis here is the requirements should be based on voice type and instrumentation. So These are tricky topics, and I think if we keep the conversation going, we're going to find instances like this where we realize we're making a acapella a place more people feel comfortable in. Totally. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And and I think it's a lot of everything that we're discussing. For me personally, it it comes down to, um, I guess, two things. It's experience as well as your interest. Because on one hand, I've never had the experience of singing in a group with someone who's been transgender. Now, there were a few people in my groups uh, that have been in the past who were, you know, homosexual, you know, and they were wonderful people. I wouldn't trade them for anything in the group. And I got to have that experience, but nothing transgender. And on the other hand, I look at the side of interest and I look at groups like the whiff and poofs and uh, the female member that they just allowed i'm sure she at some point in her music career decided hey she was interested in the whiff and poofs because what they were doing and it was like hey that's something i want to be a part of my personal experience i haven't had many experiences where i've seen like an all female group in my particular experience since i'm a guy that like hey i want to be part of that all female group how do i get involved with that you know if there were more like that then i'm sure you know my experience my interest would change greatly totally i think on the vein of that like i guess what i look for in a group when i'm enjoying them or like looking to join one i guess is what is the purpose of the group what is their main goal as a group and what is like the sound and like What's their artistic vision? Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. that if those things are clear, then it shouldn't really matter, you know, who you are, what you look like, what you do. But I will talk about that a little bit more in my new group venture. Yes, we're excited to hear. I'm I'm crazy (laughs) excited to hear about that. Uh, So we're going to take a quick break here. Normally I say, and let's pass it over to Amanda Tran with notable coverage, but we're not going to do that because Amanda's on the episode and it's not fair for me to tell her, You need to come on, devote like an hour and a half to record this, and then go make a notable coverage episode. And it also just sound weird to you guys, let's be honest. So we're going to be right back here with John, Brian, and Amanda. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, leave the instruments at the door. Hello, my name is Lisa Hawkins, and welcome to Tacapella's mini-segment, Asking for Directions. In a few previous episodes, I've talked about how it's necessary to build a community to get your members and audience to engage in care, and how there are a variety of things you need to make this happen. So, I want to continue on that track and focus on another aspect you need to build a community, and that's creed. So first, what is creed? Creed is a set of beliefs that guide someone's actions. And that sounds a little bit weird when said like this, but we've seen this everywhere and it can be so simple, like Nike's just do it slogan, or whenever Ellen says, be kind to one another at the end of her show. 
These aren't exactly mission statements, but it communicates what they stand for and what you should believe about these products and or people. So in short, creed is the singular notion you want people to believe. So when thinking about your acapella group, think about what you want people to believe about you. So this applies to your audience and your fellow singers. Defining and communicating this is critical to the success of your group because confused singers aren't motivated and confused audiences aren't likely to buy into your music. So you have to start inside your group though, right? Because you want to start there and then work outwards. But what do you want your group to be about? Why do you exist? Why should people want to sing in your group? And the statement may be a little different than the one you announced to your audience, but the general energy and idea should be the same because you want the audience to believe that you are truly dedicated to your quote unquote creed. And think of something that is unique to your group because every group wants to have fun and share the music. So we need to be a little bit better than that if we want to succeed and reach your audience beyond the service level, right? And it can be a catchphrase or it can be a part of your mission statement, but whatever it is, make it short and easy to digest so people can walk away remembering what your group is about. So this can really set you apart from other groups and people will gravitate towards it if you have a clearly stated belief of what your group is about. It makes you relatable, unique, and interesting, which are all the things that audiences are looking for. And not only that, but having a belief creates community and attracts others that have the same desires or mindset. So it can really grow your community. Now, I've said this before, but people want to feel like they belong to something bigger. So give them the experience that by being at your concert, they are. That they are a part of a bigger mission statement. And at the end of the day, creating a community is your end goal, both inside and outside of your group. Music is communication, so communicate with them your reason for existence, both through your music and through your creed. So that's it for this week, and I will keep sharing more ways to build a community, both inside and outside of your group. So tune in next week, but if you have any specific questions, I'd love to hear them. You can post them on any of Akaville's social media sites or reach out to me personally. Again, my name is Lisa Hawkins, and thanks for joining me on this week's mini segment, Asking for Directions. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. And welcome back to Tacapella. Hey, everybody. We are back. Brian and I have had the pleasure today of talking with one of our regular segment hosts, Amanda Tran, who you might know, you probably know if you've listened to any episodes, is well known for creating, producing, editing, recording, notable coverage, her segment where she talks all about various arrangements in acapella. She'll compare some. They're really fun. Amanda was actually the first segment host we ever had, and she's been with us ever since. It's pretty nice. She's the one who stuck with us the whole time, and I'm really happy for that. So Amanda, thanks so much for like coming on today and talking about this stuff with Brian and I. We just talked a lot about Uh, gender diversity and acapella groups and how that relates to soprano alto groups versus tenor bass groups versus quote-unquote all-male or quote-unquote all-female and another obviously part of diversity is race and as i mentioned before i am very white and uh i don't want to you know talk over anybody so i'm really curious as someone who just hasn't had the same experiences both of you have had in regards to racial diversity because i come from a place of extreme privilege what are your thoughts on like diversity and race in acapella 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of touched on it a little bit early on in our mm-hmm. conversation, but because of where I started acapella and where I do acapella mostly in the Seattle area, being diverse, I just haven't really had to run into the issue of not being in a diverse situation mm-hmm. as far as the groups that I have been in. But the lack of diversity definitely shows through when I attend or compete at like festivals or competitions and stuff. And it just, I don't know, it just makes me, it makes me sad in some ways, but also like kind of uneasy in some ways. It's just like, why aren't other people like me doing it when it's awesome? And it just has this incredible like impact on your life in so many ways, as you guys know, being in acapella groups, it's just, why not, you know? So I don't know. I don't really have any other thoughts on that. It's just... (laughs) I think it just boils down to, yeah, it is a concern, you know, and I think going back to the topic of like legacy and like having a very defined identity as a group um, and whether or not that is evolved or stays the same, I think that has a really big impact on what your group demographic looks like. Going to competitions and festivals and stuff where it hasn't been diverse and being the only diverse group there or like just watching other groups that may come in. In this past, the past few couple of years, a lot more Asian groups have come through the Pacific Northwest because we also have like the Vancouver area Canada schools also can be in our area and I feel there's definitely been a lot more diversity but because just where they are located that's what the demographic is that's just what the group looks like and I feel that even before they even perform or compete or like have any type of way to express who they are as musicians people who attend these events on a regular basis will look at them and be like oh and just have this preconceived notion as to what they're going to sound like or what they're going to look like or what their choreography is going to be like and their stage presence or whatever and make these preconceived notions and judgments before they even have an opportunity to showcase that, you know? And I feel like it sucks, but that's just the way it is. But there is just a lot more diversity happening and a lot more groups are coming up just because they haven't had the opportunity to represent themselves. And I feel like, and there's tons of groups too, like especially in like South Asian fusion acapella groups, it's part predominantly South Asian in the groups. And you had a group they, like that, right? At UW? Yeah, they're called Awaz and they actually had non-South Asian people in the group before. It's just like, that's the identity that they chose to go with performing these Bollywood songs mashed up with like Western pop songs because they saw that they weren't being represented in mm-hmm. the acapella world. And so they made a niche for themselves. And I feel like that's incredible. It's amazing. And it's just, it's just so cool to see like how cultures can come together and make awesome stuff you know like why would you not want to have a music group where you have multiple perspectives multiple walks of life multiple like Mm -hmm. ranges of musical experience you know like even just like by having a diverse group you already have diverse taste in music which will then inform how you arrange stuff how you write stuff for your group how you choreograph your group you know it's like why not have that diversity it can only add you know in my opinion like why not There's no reason why you shouldn't take that into consideration. And obviously there's some groups, you know, like in the Midwest where like diversity isn't like a thing in that area. Like that's just the way it's going to be in and out of acapella world, you know, but there's really no excuse, you know, nowadays. I don't, I kind of went on a tangent, but basically. (laughs) Uh, Did you hear the previous (laughs) half of the episode? Cause that was, (laughs) that was, I kind of went on one too, just a little bit. Yeah, it was totally fun. John did it, so you were totally allowed to do it. Um, I'll, I'll kind of chime in because I, I kind of have a little bit of experience as well, and I kind of um, I can echo the the sentiments of a lot of what Amanda has said. In one way, I, I agree that it's kind of sad at certain points when you look around at a lot of groups, or as she said, it's kind of 
evolving to where inclusion is growing more and you have a uh, people from different um, ethnicities different genders and all that stuff it's growing but at the same time I look at it and it's like hey I've been an anomaly uh, <laughs> for quite mm-hmm. a while in the mm-hmm. sense that I am a, a black male who likes acapella music and <laughs> it's <laughs> like no joke I will bring up acapella music to a bunch of my friends and I, you know I have friends of all different races and creeds and ethnicities and all that good stuff but every now and and then there's just like, hey, you're, you're a black guy. Why are you listening to so much acapella music? I'm like, you guys don't realize how cool this stuff is. And so on one hand, I, can, I, can, I look at it as, hey, yeah, I'm like, I'm just kind of a different breed. But uh, I grew up going to a lot of uh, schools who were, you know, a lot of minorities involved in the schools. And then as I got in high school and I really started to really get into music, especially acapella music, I was naturally drawn towards you know, these all white groups. I was drawn to these groups just because they were more popular. They were who the people knew about. And I developed a love and an interest for their music and their styles. And naturally, I wanted to kind of go about and mimic that. I remember the first year in my college group, I was so dead set on, you know, we have to try and do some of the songs that On the Rocks is doing just because On the Rocks is my favorite group and they're a bunch of white guys from Oregon. And, you know, it, we maybe <laughs> <laughs> exactly, John. <laughs> you can relate. So uh, and it's always just like that was me at the beginning. And then we started to branch off and do our own thing. And, and you know, for two years, actually not for two, for three years, actually, I was the only black guy, uh, actually the only black person in my acapella group. And then something happened that fourth year, we actually got two new uh, African-American dudes join our group. And I was just like, wow, we kind of joked about it. But in the same sense, I was just like, oh boy, this things are kind of changing. And I know Amanda mentioned two things that just kind of stuck out to me. She mentioned one earlier on when she was talking to diversity about roots. And part of it was just kind of the roots we went into with the group. You know, we just kind of picked from friends and we didn't really kind of set any parameters. It was just what we did and we naturally attracted a certain kind of people. And then another thing that uh, I just kind of look back at it, uh, I look back to the first time that we actually went off campus and went to another school's, uh, it was Acapalooza, it was where all these groups culminate and it's where, you know, all, we do this big gigantic showcase in another school. And I think that was the first time it like really hit me that, hey, I am in a crowd that's not exactly like me because all these other groups, they're filled with, you know, everyone but African-American people. And so it, it's different. It hits you, but it doesn't necessarily hit you in a in a bad way just because you're so used to things. And as the group totally. kept continued to progress, and uh, another thing Amanda mentioned was song selection. And I didn't really uh, realize how much I cared about song selection until other people who were diverse, who were from different backgrounds in life, and they started pitching song ideas. And I was like, you know what? I kind of I agree with them. You know, I, I have been missing those things that we haven't been doing. And so it's been a very unique and interesting experience for me, not only in college, but also outside of my collegiate groups. And I think diversity, while it's growing and getting better, it's so important. And I think it's something that uh, I love that we're talking about it right now, because it's something people don't talk about and people really don't realize until you're really put in the situation. Totally. Yeah, love it. There's a couple of things that I want to add on really quick. Totally love what you were talking about, Brian. Um, This idea of privilege, I think John brought it up earlier, but that word is just so like 
so now I feel, and I feel like the definition of what that means is always so like fluid, but especially mm-hmm. in acapella, because a lot of acapella, as, at least in Washington state, like you don't really get acapella until you're in college. That's yeah. already like a huge privilege. Not everyone can get to school. Yeah. Not everyone can afford school. Not everyone can be Very in that position. That's so and true. especially oh. now that the arts and music, unfortunately, is just like on the back burner as far as funding goes in public schools. Like these kids aren't even getting like music education anymore. So that's a privilege. And just mm-hmm. having the opportunity to even like even know that that's even a possibility is such a privilege. And I feel so lucky to have been just even in a position where I could even discover what acapella even was, you know? And I just feel it's really sad because I, there's so many kids out there that are so talented and have like these awesome skills that could be great for an acapella group, but they're never going to know how their skills can be used in these settings, you know? And that's really sad. Another thing when you going back to song selection, having more diverse people just gives you more diverse song selection. But I feel like I think a hot topic, I'm not sure if it was in some kind of Facebook board group, but it was just like, why aren't these groups soulful? <laughs> and I feel like <laughs> that has a lot to do with who's in the group and what they choose to sing, you know? And I feel like just True. having more diversity yeah. in singers and backgrounds and like abilities, it just gives you, it just, soul doesn't mean like you're singing soul music. Soul just means you're singing like from your soul and from your heart. You know, I feel like having different people with different ideas and like what they put into their soul, just having that diversity already is already going to make your group so much better. So yeah, those two things I wanted to touch on privilege, song selection, and having soul in your group. <laughs> yeah. And you speak about privilege and, and man, that was such a good point. Um, a lot has to do with location, what your, what your school, where your school is and, you know, in regards to what your school can afford and the programs involved. And Resources. I think back to my yeah, your resources, John. Perfect. Exactly. And I think back to my middle school years and I was kind of in this kind of like inner city school. And fortunately for me, I was able to transfer out of that school system and go to a different high school, like 40 minutes away, which gave me so many more opportunities. But I think back and had I continued on in that school system, I'm not sure I would be in the same place I am today in regards to my love and interest for acapella music, because I mm-hmm. discovered acapella music due to the types of music and the things we were doing in that high school that I went to. And so, I, man, it, it's so interesting when you think about, you know, these programs, how they're kind of schools are doing away with them. And, and you realize something that we love and enjoy and we're talking about, you know, not many people are going to have that opportunity just because it, it won't be afforded to them. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's sad. It's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. And Aaron, touched on this a little bit, Aaron Director, the founder of Acaville. He and I talked about the boom of acapella that's basically happened in the past 15 years and how a big part of that was due to show choirs being popularized on Glee and seeds being planted. And it was easy for acapella to boom because it's so cheap. You need maybe Mm. a piano. And I think we just need to get the word out and let people understand that. Like, if you don't have the resources, if you don't have you know, a giant music hall or something. Acapella is a great opportunity for kids of all ages, diversities, creeds, everything like that, because all you need is people who want to sing. Acapella Mm -hmm. is a great option for people in all situations that feel that music is only something for the privileged, only people who can afford it. Yeah. Groups that I think do really well with this, the University of Rochester uh, Yellow Jackets, they go out into, I believe, inner city schools, and they just, in where areas where, 
music education is not a thing. It's not in the curriculum. And they will like sing for the kids and show them like, hey, this is how you do acapella. And I think we got to do everything we can as people who have had the privilege to access it. We got to like give back to the community in terms of making sure everyone has access to it. Yeah, perfect. And John, and you said it right there. And I I agree. And I think that we're doing a lot of things right. And I I love that you mentioned how cheap acapella is. I'm like, today, you don't need more any more than just a a video camera or just a way of get in front of a piano app and a camera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. Because I, I wholeheartedly believe that one of the things I absolutely love about this genre is that it gives a voice to those people who are either willing or talented enough to make an impact for it. So if you have a desire or, you know, if you're talented and someone just happens to be catching you or hearing you, you're there. You can be big at the end of the day. You can get in front of people and, you know, you don't need a fancy studio. You don't need instruments at the end of the day. You know, we, we mm-hmm. joke a lot about instruments and, yeah. you know, part of the things we don't realize instruments are expensive at the yeah. end of the yep. day, you know? <laughs> and so acapella, you know, a lot of times, you know, you hear about these viral sensations, whether it's on social media or you just, uh, you know, a friend showing you video at the end of the day. And it's just like, man, you know, it's accessible. And if you're willing to go out there and do something great, you know, you know, the world's your oyster. It's within reach. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that a common counter argument to specifically the stuff on race we've been saying is, oh, it should just be the best voices. And I think that's the reason why we're talking about this is because we want the best voices. And it reminds me about something I read or no, I heard on, um, uh, I believe it was over at Collider Movie Talk, a podcast I like a lot. And they're talking about how do movie studios ensure that they have enough diversity in their casts and stuff like this, talking about stuff like Crazy Rich Asians. And they presented this idea of, well, some people say we need to go out and try and get more diverse people. And the counter argument is, no, we just need to make sure the best people get the roles. But that argument that it should just be the best people assumes that the structures in place are equally accessible to everybody. The best person for the role can't get it if they aren't in the room. And peoples who don't have that kind of privilege might not have that opportunity. So basically, I guess it's this rule in some movie studios is they don't have a quota. We need like five black people for this or two Asian people for this. It is when you are interviewing for this position, when you are trying to get candidates, there needs to be a certain amount of diversity in the pool. Not necessarily who gets the job, but the pool of who you are interviewing for it to ensure that they are reaching communities or areas or people that have been discriminated against and wouldn't have that opportunity otherwise. And I think that's what we want in this situation. I think the big thing we can take from this is just reach out and try and get as many people and be proactive about it and recognize that if you just say, yeah, we're just going to get whoever, your group will probably be all white. And being proactive about getting more people of color, getting people of different sexual orientations or gender, that will one, make your group stronger. I firmly believe Mm -hmm. that. I had a couple, two males who were in Mountain Horns this past year, and they give me perspectives on things about rehearsal dynamics. Diversity will make your group better. And I think we just need to make sure that people are getting in the room. Mm -hmm. If the people who are the very best, are not getting the opportunity to get to the starting line, then Mm -hmm. you don't have a lake to stand on. You need to be making sure that you are getting people of diverse backgrounds and experiences and everything so that you do, one, get the best people, but you also get a group that is eclectic. And if we can make our groups look more like the world we live in, I think that is one going to make it more likely that people of color, of different backgrounds, 
will want to join in. And I think the groups will reach a level of connecting with their audiences in a way that if we don't do that, we won't achieve. Totally. I think you nailed it. I mean, not only in acapella do we need to consider, just have consideration and have everyone in the room, but the United States of America can also take a note on that as well, because literally every single institution, every system that is set up, not just acapella is already like that in the world. So why not create that space in an environment that is just fun, you know? Acapella is fun. So why can't we have that fun with everyone? Exactly. Yeah. I think it starts with auditions and it, it starts with you're making sure that auditions are accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. And then as a, Amanda said, at the end of the day, it's it's fun. Why try and bring something into it that it, it doesn't need? Go out there, get the right talent. Um, make sure that if you want something different, go out there and advertise it to the right people. Go out there, advertise it to people that you might not even thought about. Go out mm-hmm. there and Make sure that at the end of the day, you're going to see as many eyes and hear as many voices as you possibly can. Yep. Totally. I think that's what it comes down to. I think it's just so important to take that action because clearly what the groups have been doing up to this point has not worked. Yep. Because whatever you're doing as far as outreach and communications, like you've been getting the same kind of people. So maybe you should reassess what the purpose of your group is, what you're really trying to achieve, and maybe just Mm -hmm. assess like how you can reach that kind of talent, you know? broaden your horizons. (laughs) And I think a lot of this kind of falls on the people who are in positions of power in groups right now. Like people who are leading groups, people who found groups. And I think this calls on, frankly, like white leaders of established acapella groups to examine their own inherent biases, prejudices, and inherent internalized racism, whether or not it's intentional. All white people have some degree of racism just because it's the culture we grow up in. It's the culture we're kind of put in, recognizing that whether that just comes down to, oh, like maybe I I should go talk to that guy over there who seems to be enjoying that music, regardless of what race he is, and kind of recognizing that there are inherent issues with how the system works and how it privileges certain voices, literally voices, and certain people over others, and recognizing that while you are, quote unquote, maybe part of the problem. You can also easily be part of the solution by challenging your own Mm -hmm. internalized racisms, internalized prejudices, internalized like just fears and insecurities and reaching out to people and just getting them in the room and getting acapella in the ears and the voices of as many people as we can because then the groups are going to be better. And I think we're all going to feel a lot more comfortable knowing that the groups that are on stage are representative of the people we are and the audience that makes acapella what it is. Yeah, exactly. It comes down to, for me personally, to this idea that change is necessary. Sometimes you have to take a step back to realize, you know, what needs to be different in order to continue to evolve. And John, you just, you just said something that just made me think of something I I didn't really put into perspective until just now. And it's this idea that, you know, a lot of the groups that I've grown to really enjoy listening to and like really have a strong follow, like I follow them and stay up to date on everything. You know, I see something, I see something in those groups that just appeals to me. And that's something that's relatable at the end of the day. I look at Straight No Chaser. Hey, Straight No Chaser has one black guy in it, but you know, it's something I can latch on to along with them being an amazing group. And at the same time, I never thought about this, but you know what I said earlier that we didn't have any African-American people in our group until, you know, the fourth year of my last year in the group. And an idea comes to mind. I was like, maybe one of them saw the group 
uh, us perform prior to them auditioning and they saw that, hey, there is someone like me up there. Maybe I'll take a risk and go and audition for the group. You know, as much as a group develops a fan base because of their talents and they draw in new members because of what they put out there to an audience, you never realize that, you know, sometimes people could see something up there that they like that they want to be a part of and like it makes them feel comfortable enough to go and step out of their comfort zone and a lot of times people go to these shows and they might see all these different members and they're like okay they're telling all these things but you know what a lot of times you get new people because they see something that's relatable to them we drew in yeah. audiences because we started pulling people from different areas from different music community people from the arts community people from you know the writing hall or whatever, you know, we went out there and we made sure that, hey, we have to bring in new people. And the only way we can do that is that we're offering our audience something different. Brian, well said. I think this is, if not one of the funnest episodes of Talk Bell I've had, it is, it is I think, easily the most important because these discussions need to be had. And it's, uh, I mean, I think I don't want to say anything else because you just nailed it right there and encapsulated (laughs) it so we're gonna take one more quick break here we're gonna pass it on over to lisa hawkins with her segment asking for directions and we're gonna be right back here on tacapella you're listening to community supported acaville radio streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org acaville giving listeners worldwide something to sing about like a small boat on the ocean Sending big waves in the motion Like how a single word can make a heart open And I might only have one match But I can make an explosion And all of those things I didn't say Wrecking balls inside my brain Gonna 
hours turned on Starting right now, I'll be strong I'll play my fight song And I don't really care This is my fight song Take back my life song Prove I'm alright song My hours turned on, I'm And we're back on Tacapella. Man, we have had probably one of the most insightful, heavy stuff. the deepest, heaviest. Good stuff. Oh my goodness, the the most insane uh, show we've ever had in a good way. Yeah. I, I've, I've loved every bit of the things we've discussed on today's episode regarding diversity, gender, inclusion, everything under the sun. And Oh, it's been extremely just brilliant to discuss with, with you two. So as as we kind of wrap things up, Amanda, as per tradition, we always want to leave our audience with one parting thought from our guests. So if you could offer the acapella world one piece of advice regarding anything we've discussed, anything that comes to mind, anything that you've been thinking about, what would it be? Yeah. So per our conversation, one piece of advice that I would have to encourage diversity in acapella is just consideration, whether consideration be in what your group purpose is, what your group music style is, what your voice is, what your identity is, even what the group looks like. Take into consideration your identity as a group as a whole and how that can impact positively on the acapella world, but also just anyone else who might stumble upon your group during a performance or your song on Spotify. You know, we want to show the world that everyone can do acapella. It's for everyone to do. It's for everyone to listen to. So why not have groups that represent everyone out there? Damn. That was perfect. Beautiful. I always oh, said that I'm going to get all these pieces of advice tattooed on my back, <laughs> but I think I'm going to have to move like to like a full body, like someone <laughs> like, like my a, cheeks. Your entire back. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, it's going to have to be more than that because we're, we're reaching, so, we're, we're, we're moving towards episode 100. I think once we hit that, mm. I'll, I'll, once we hit episode 100, I'll get, I'll get all the tattoos. You see what I just did? This is pretty typical. Amanda just said something so beautiful. <laughs> and then I'm like, so I'm going to get this tattooed on like Quote, my back. Copyright. Way to bring it back to uh, about yourself, John. Hey, there it is. is. (laughs) I need royalties. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I I think you said it best, man. We got to show the world that everyone can do acapella. That's that's a perfect way to end it all. Well, man, this has been a great show. Thank you so much for joining us. So if our audience wanted to keep in touch with you, figure out uh, where they could find you online and any cool projects coming up, where, where can they find you at? Totally. Yeah. In vain of all we talked about today, I am starting an all Asian American female group. It's going to be a professional group gigging around LA, just kind of taking over the world, you know, showing people that Asian American women can do acapella too. So if you're interested in that or anything else, or just want to talk about acapella, because I could do that for hours, definitely hit me up. It's at Amanda Tran rocks. That's at Amanda Tran R-O-C-K-S on every single internet platform out there. Perfect. And John, how about yourself? Where can people find you at online? You can find me at John Lampus, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S on Twitter, Instagram, and the A Little Anarchy Movie Podcast. Brian, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brian, B-R-I-A-N underscore A-0-5. And as usual, go and follow College Acapella on all its different channels. And don't forget, check out Acaville Radio everywhere because 
They're the reason we can do this show and that <laughs> Amanda gets to do notable coverage and Brian and I just get to sit here and talk about so much fun stuff. That's at Octavio Radio on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Well, thanks for tuning into the show today. And for everything acapella, please stay tuned. I fell into a well. I fell, I fell, I fell. But I was saved by the rocket. She packed my bags last night. Pre-flight. Zero hour. 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high, high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. It's lonely out in space. I'm such a timeless fly And I think it's gonna be a long, long time A touchdown brings you round again to find I'm not the man I think I am at home Just my job, five days a week A rocket Long, long time Till touchdown brings me round
Technology for the rocket man to fly is invented. 